Okay, so this is Romantic Underpinnings, and we had this idea. I'm Ashton. I'm Andrew. And the idea is that we were going to gender swap a romance novel. So each week, I have written a chapter in our romance novel from the point of view of the man, and Andrew has written a chapter in our novel from the point of the woman. And what we're going to do is we're going to read each other's work and then sort of critique it and, you know, giggle at it. And it's uh, the rough draft of each chapter. So there's nothing special or, you know, finely honed. We have like a basic outline that each other is going to follow. But other than that, it's pretty much the first draft of a novel. And so this week, Andrew's going to start with the chapter that I wrote. Uh, we don't really have a name for the novel yet. Oh, good. I was going to ask that. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. So, and we're just going to see how it goes. Let's explore language, romance, and resilience. And welcome to Romantic Underpinnings. All right. I'm going to commence reading chapter one. Oh, should we say anything about the genre of the novel? Uh, like what, where well, it fits? it's a romance novel. I think that's pretty obvious. Is it a historical romance, oh, yes. contemporary romance, <laughs> a shapeshifter? It's set in, what year did I put on there? Uh, 1672. Yeah, that sounds like it. Yeah, so it's a historical fiction romance, um, basically because I really love that kind of thing. And when we were able to travel earlier this year, we were traveling around Hampton Court. So parts of it are set in Hampton Court in England. All right, I'm going to read chapter one. Anthony stomped down the stairs, leaving the throne room of King William III. He was blinded to the opulence of the high-arched ceilings and outdated wall hangings. King William was only at Hampton Court for a brief reprieve from the more formal court in London, a place where he could quietly meet with his less savory employees, spies, merchants, and in Anthony's case, pirates. But as Anthony tread over the brick walkways, his anger eclipsed all other thoughts. Having been born the bastard son of a nearby estate, he'd had little options for the direction of his life. He could have stayed on and become the stable hand, but after his mother had perished from typhoid when he was five, he'd seen little reason to stay and had left when he was 16, searching for adventure and <laughs> glory. He'd found himself on the docks in London, shivering, homeless, and poorly equipped to earn a living for himself. When a captain of a dock ship had dug him out of the ditch and offered him a job as a pickpocket, he'd seen no reason to refuse. Captain Henry Tweedle had worked both sides of the law from aboard the decks of his ship, the Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> he'd taught Anthony everything, from swabbing the decks to employing a unique diplomacy to other captains and the elite. Wait a minute, what's a pickpocket in this context? Somebody who steals pe from people? And, and they're employed on boats, specifically? Why, what did I say? Well, the captain offers him a job as a pickpocket, but oh, yeah. then so, all of a sudden, like, the captain's <clears throat> teaching him to swab the decks Sorry. and stuff, and I don't yeah. know how he got there. No, he's teaching him to pickpocket other people on the docks to, like, steal their secrets and information or from them. Like, when he's moored, ah. he's, he's pickpocketing other sailors to, like, sort of call like get to their booty before they can like to get their information about which ships to rob and who's okay and whatever else 
Okay, so, and he's, like, staying on the docked ship while this is Well, happening. yeah, you have to moor for, like, a few weeks at a time till the tide goes out, right, to resupply, you know, to All sort of right. set your next course. Okay, so he's being, so he's getting, he's doing the pickpocketing to uh, basically earn his keep while doing job training as a pirate. Right, because, like, he can't, you can't be on the ship 24-7, right? You have to come in for supplies and you have to fix the ship and that could take weeks at a time. Got it. All right. When the king had requested a ship for dubious pursuits, Captain Tweedle had been hired on. He'd been sent out to officially trade with France, but also to unofficially uncover the depth of the French treasury and perhaps lighten their load. And Anthony had been by his side the entire time. Henry had been a man of honor, his own honor to be sure, but honor nonetheless. He never stole from someone who had less than he did, never hit a woman, and never engaged with a ship that hadn't engaged him first. It was this last ethical construct that had been his undoing. The Catherine had been caught by another pirate ship coming back with their haul from Captain Henry's final run, and Anthony had been next to him still. He watched as they were quickly overwhelmed, and the few survivors had been set adrift on a small raft while their ship and treasure sailed away from them. The dead were given a watery funeral, probably what was most of prob excuse me. The dead were given a watery funeral, probably what most of them would have requested regardless. Of the five sailors remaining, Anthony was the only one left with any practical sailing knowledge. Were it not for him, they would have floundered in the sea and died. Instead, he managed to get them to shore in London, but only just. They landed in the docks with nothing left to their names, save the raft that was worth a penny and the clothes on their backs. When they arrived, the four other crewmen scattered to the winds, looking for lucrative employment or on to their families. Anthony had made the long Anthony made the long journey. By the way, am I um I can always edit out my stumbles, uh, but you can lobby for any particularly amusing or awful ones to stay in, just FYI. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I the... think it adds a type of um, legitimacy to you having reading it the first time. Makes sense, because I mean? I'm totally reading this the first time. Right. But I also want to sound like a very eloquent person who can read. <laughs> I think you can read. All right, with that vote of confidence, Anthony made the long journey to Campton Court to inform the king. He had been the only left alive who knew their real benefactor. He waited day after day outside Hampton Court for the king to arrive. Finally, after two weeks, he showed up with all his pomp and circumstance. After Anthony had badgered his way in and explained everything to the king, he was met with a new directive, and one he was not pleased with. He thought the king would be angry, but willing to loan him some capital to start rebuilding a ship with a new crew, hopefully this time with a legitimate charter and a trading business on the right side of the law. The king had different ideas about Anthony. He had agreed... What's Anthony's last name? I don't know. I never put one in. Do you think that's important? He's a bastard, so he doesn't have one really, because it would be like snow or whatever the equivalent of snow is. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I mean, I think he'd have something. I, I don't know. I want them to have a last name. Okay, we can definitely give him a last name. I, I just never really... It was just like a neighboring estate because his dad's some lord or other, right? Mm-hmm. And his mother would have called him something, but, you know, she yeah. died when he was five. So he yeah. doesn't really have... That's going to be part of his problem later. I mean, you know. Oh, fair enough. As it always is. 
Okay, well, I want, like, some mother's maiden name, whatever, even though All she right, may what not do you, have... what do you think it should be, honey? Um... Ooh. Uh... Snowberry. S-N-O-L-B-E-R-R-Y. Snowberry? Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds very much like a like a like um, a rip off of snow except for with a berry on it. No, no, it just sounds like a rough, uh, not very Some fancy peasant name. girl's last name. Yeah, yeah, Miss Snowsbury. <laughs> okay. Oh wait, no, it's Snowsbury, but I think I like Snowsbury. Anthony Snowsbury. I actually like Snowsbury better, but all right, it might be S N O L S B U R Y. Okay. Um. We'll have to we'll have to look. Uh, I'll I'll fly to England and read through a bunch of like. Uh, You'll find England. Do you forget where it is? No, I'll fly to England, <laughs> and I'm gonna like look through a bunch of the uh, um, what's it called parish records. That's what everyone oh, always you're looks through, go through to do okay, historical right. research in England. Got it. All yes. right. Um. So Anthony. Snowsberry. Yeah. Slash to be determined. If you say so. Um, <laughs> oh. The king had had different ideas about Anthony Snowsbury. He had agreed to lend him the money, but no charter would be forthcoming. Instead, he was tasked with a very specific goal, to plant the Dutch king with a very important item. One of the King William, well, sorry, one of King William's crowns. King William desperately wanted to add the Netherlands to his rule, but they were under treaty. He needed a reason to break the treaty and start a war with his homeland. His cockamamie plan would give him just enough leverage to start the conflict, which led to Anthony. Because the ship had gone down with no official roster, he was assumed dead. Not that that mattered much anyway, as he had no family who could claim him. His father was some lord off in South England, getting older, fatter, and more disgusting every day. Anthony had been his mother's only living offspring, and she had had no other family, no family other than the other servants at the estate. So Anthony was ideally suited for this type of plan. The king could care less about whether he lived or died, but had promised Anthony his official charter and loan if he succeeded with the ridiculous plant. Anthony had also managed to convince the king to simply give him the startup money, with enough left over to be able to hire the crew that he would need for this endeavor. Thinking this all through quickly, he continued huffing his way through the courtyard and into the town proper to hire a horse to make his way back to London. Running a hand through his unruly auburn hair, his fingers snagged in a knotted mess. He extracted them and shook his head. He'd come here as fast as he could and had been destitute at the time. He smelled bad and his clothes were in dire need of cleaning. First order of business, a good night's sleep and then a haircut. He kicked the hired horse into a gallop and set off. He slowly settled into a more reasonable pace and was in the city as the light was going and the clock was striking eight. He pulled up to the body house that he and the captain had spent the odd night or two in before returning to their true home aboard ship. Henry had been involved with the house's proprietress for as long as Anthony had known him. The next conversation was going to be hard. Stella was arrayed in the doorway, as she often was. She leaned into the frame, chatting with passers-by and controlling the flow of customers. Her red wig was piled high onto her head tonight, and she sported blue eye color and a deep red lip rouge. Blue eye color? Yeah, as in like blue eyeshadow, but I don't think they called it eyeshadow. So oh, eye paint, I guess. Okay, I was thinking like appropriate contact. Right? No, no, but oh, like right. blue eye. 
paint. I guess paint is the only other option. Something. Case. All right. Well, uh, historical makeup uh, research is going to occur between episodes. (laughs) I guess so. Well, I'm going to be writing a lot about makeup. um, (laughs) So I'm going to need to get uh, a little bit more expertise on that front now that that I think of it. Now that I opened that uh, stupid box in the first place. Um, You sure did. She grinned widely as he walked up, waving... Oh, sorry. She grinned widely as he walked up, having already returned to the horse. Well, hello there, lad. Here's a happy countenance to grace my entryway. She called when he was still six steps away. Her grin slowly faded as she looked at his expression. She turned to hustle him inside, ordering one of her bouncers to take over her post. A large, lumbering man met them in the door and wordlessly moved past them both. She herded him into the large back room that was her office. A mammoth oak desk sat in the center of the room with an emerald back chair parked behind it. There were shelves containing the precise ledgers that denoted every transaction the house had ever engaged in. Stella was a queen of the night, but no one ever dealt less but no one was ever dealt less than fairly with here. Syntax. Hey. Her girls were the talk of the street for cleanliness and company. Her prices were high, but Anthony had never seen a dissatisfied customer. He'd never sampled the wares, but had been tempted on several occasions. As far as he knew, Henry had only sampled the wares of the lady now settling herself behind the desk and free of charge. He shook his head, waving away the ghost of Henry and the terror of that last day with him, not knowing knowing exactly where to begin. He said bluntly, he's dead. Stella drew back in her chair, as if he had slapped her. She regained her composure quickly, however, and straightened her shoulders and looked him square in the eye. She nodded, and he began to offer platitudes. She waved these off, and instead asked, How? He began to describe the events that led to the dissolution of the crew of the Charlotte, her cargo, and indeed the ship itself. Stella simply listened carefully. The story sapped Anthony's energy, and after about twenty minutes, he lapsed into silence. He did not tell her of his visit with the king, uh, with the king of any of the events. He did not tell her of the his visit with the king of any of the events after he'd got Probably the five of them, or any of the events. He did not tell her of his visit with the king or any of the events after he'd got the five of them safely to the shore in town. <laughs> It's a very weird sentence. Also, did they take the... They If they arrived by raft, I feel like they wouldn't have made, made it on the raft to a particular town. Was that Well, covered? they just like landed somewhere on the coast, right? And then he walked to ah, Hampton okay. Court, which is why he was so disgusting. Ah, right? got it. And then he, you know... Well, yeah, I was I was like... Because they mentioned the, the, the odds of the random-ass raft landing in town... Uh, seem low, but it's like he'd gotten safely to the shore in town. Oh, no. He just, like, they just landed because they scattered. Yeah. You know. I assume he would have to go back to London to sort of figure out where he was. But that's not even necessary. He could have just, like, landed and then made his way to Hampton Court walking. Well, yeah. Um, Either way... The the shore in town. Either way, that sentence. We don't know where the town is. Uh, Either way, you're gonna highlight that sentence so I can fix it, right? 
Yeah, I, you actually haven't granted me edit access, and I can't highlight shit right now. Um, okay. But either well, way, we'll fix it later. Yeah. Um, either way, it's a little messed up. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Uh, well, just just for fun, I wanted to include some typing noises. Um, <laughs> okay, those were like demonic typing noises. Trying to kill your keyboard. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm gonna have to edit the sound. Of yeah, that. you are. It's a little loud. Um, I'll say. Okay, sorry, I somehow lost my place. Um, oh, oh, Shocking. yeah, we're we're. Um, luckily, we weren't in the middle of anything like you know really serious <laughs> and emotional. <laughs> weren't we? She gazed at him steadily for a few long moments, not breaking eye contact. Finally, she asked, "You're sure he's dead? You saw it? All the noises of the house, the street outside, and the nightlife faded from his consciousness." He'd been so busy trying to set his life to rights that he hadn't stopped to appreciate the enormity of Henry's death. Yes, I saw it. He responded in the same tone she had used, not annoyed, but steady and emotionless. She nodded once, as if agreeing with herself. She looked much the same as she had in the doorway half an hour before, except for a lingering heaviness in her eyes. She pulled her top drawer open and rummaged around, looking for something. Um, yeah, because she, I feel like looking for something is implied by rummaging around, but anyway. Fair enough. Uh, at last, she pulled out a yellowed, crinkled letter. Henry gave this to me long ago. It is a letter addressed to me that I should read upon his passing. We both knew that every time he went out, there was a possibility that he may not come back, she said. She pulled the letter open. Anthony could see that it wasn't very long and she read the missive quickly and sighed. She closed her eyes, the only sign of weakness Anthony had witnessed throughout the whole exchange. She held it out to him. There is a postscript for you, she said. That man, always thinking ahead. She handed the letter across the table to him. It read, P.S. Tell Anthony that honor is always the way, and that I loved him like a son. See, it's, this is why you come up with the last name, because I feel like it should have been... Oh, crap, I forgot his the last name. Skulldudgery? No. Snowdiggle? Snowsworth? No, it's Snowsbury. Yeah, because think of how much emotional punch it would have packed if it said, P.S., tell Mr. Snowsbury no. that honor... Oh, fine. Okay, well, it's we'll It's way see. more emotional when you say tell Anthony. Come on. You have never known the love of a Snosbury. Clearly. Snosbury. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You don't even know the love of the Snosbury or whatever. <laughs> no one human can apprehend a love so vast. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, this was more acknowledgement than Henry had ever given him in life. He had been a gruff man for all his wisdom. Anthony felt the grief start to close in around his throat and stood up so quickly that he almost knocked the chair over. Stella pulled the letter back and stood. You'll stay here, of course. Your usual room is ready, she said. Stella had a tiny attic room that was too small to engage guests in. She left it clean and ready for who was for whoever was in need. You're in need of a wash. I'll send up some water and the tub as well. And I'll have one one of the and, yes, sorry. and I'll have one of the girls clean your clothes. Leave them outside the door. You will not be disturbed this night. Um, disturbed? Did I make a typo? Yes, yes, you typed disturbed. Sorry, I meant disturbed. I also feel like uh, 
If there's room for a tub, there's room for uh No, it's like a corner attic room purpose. because the ceilings are slanted. I'm you don't saying you comfortably have sex in there with the ceiling hitting you in the face. Come on. I feel like if there's also, a tub, it's not a big there's tub. A, when there's a tub, there's a way. No, I disagree. Okay, well, we'll we'll report back on that next episode. Um <laughs> Anthony nodded and strode to the door as quickly as he could without running. He made his way to the very top of the house to have his bath. The tub was delivered almost immediately, as was a bottle of fine scotch. He nodded his hands to the proprietress, uncorked it, and took a long pull. He pulled off his reeking clothes, left them outside the door. He sank in the water, leaving the bottle within arm's reach beside him, and steadily drank himself to sleep. It was a tortured affair, filled with salty waves, shouting, and blood. He woke several times and reached for the bottle each time. When he finally made to greet the day, his mouth was full of cotton and his head ached with a dull pounding that made him nauseous. He could feel the rolling of the deck, even though he'd had his land legs back for weeks. He made his way onto his knees before losing his bile onto the floor. Then the real pounding began. Mmm... He's not only a customer, he's also an employee. Uh, <laughs> no, he's not. Why are you trying to be so sordid before we have to be sordid? Sordid? Sordid, yeah. Oh, okay. You can say sordid if you want. Um, Why not? I, I guess that's our official uh, our official word for the podcast. You don't like it? I mean, I had to say something so that we know that somebody knows how it's actually said. But that's fine. We don't have to. We don't have to well, say the real I way. How did I say it? You said sordid. Oh. <laughs> and bad. you know, nothing is sorted without two D's. That's what I always say. Sordid. Yes. Uh, My bad. All right. Breakfast. The voice outside the room screamed. He could hear whoever it was stomp away back down the stairs, and he was sick onto the floor again. Giving the day up for lost, he climbed back into bed. Luckily for him, his bottle was empty. He moaned into the ceiling, wishing for water, but not being able to get up and retrieve pitcher and glass that was three steps away. He fell back into fitful sleep. End okay. of chapter one. That's the first chapter. What did you think, honey? I am ready. Did you like it, though? Yeah. Yeah? You ready to be... I don't even know if we decided the name of the heroine. Heroine. Uh, yeah, heroin. Heroin. Yep. I feel I should uh, do a glossary for you before the next episode. <laughs> hey, just because I can't pronounce any words doesn't mean I can't have a podcast, right? No, you you can definitely have a podcast. Um, <laughs> and it's gonna be good. I think that that chapter is definitely better than whatever I am going to come up with. No, that's not true. But. Uh, We'll see with that. I mean, I'm, I've already made a ringing endorsement for episode two, so I don't know what else we need to do uh, or anything else we need to cover. Uh, we could always uh, stop recording and tack anything onto the end uh, that we want. Uh, mm-hmm. Tip your waitress. Um, follow us on Instagram. Check out our website, romanticunderpinnings.com. Our Instagram is the same, and so is our Twitter. All right. Uh, I just want to mention that Google also had, even though romanticunderpinnings.com is available, not by the time you listen to this, you pirates, um, they also suggest romanticloveunderpinnings.com, romanceunderpinnings.com, romanceunderpinnings.net, 
and uh, things like oh romantic love underpinnings.info i love the way that they just interpolate words uh ooh love underpinnings.life uh, ooh that one's good love underpinnings.life oh my goodness underpinnings.love Wow. Oh my god, they're suggesting romancetheoreticaldefinition.com. Oh lord, help us all. I don't even know what that means. Oh, romanticlovetheoreticaldefinition.com. Find us at romanticlovetheoreticaldefinition.com. <laughs> no, no, find us at romanticunderpinnings.com. <laughs> all right, I think that works. Um, And you're going to hear Ashton read chapter two next week. Just a quick correction on the socials for that episode. Our Twitter handle is actually at rom under pod, not romantic underpinnings. It wasn't available. Um, but our Instagram and our website are correct, romanticunderpinnings.com or at romanticunderpinnings. Um, don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, rate, review, and subscribe us wherever you find your podcasts. And we hope you liked it and we'll listen to the next one. Thanks.